Thank you for tuning in to an extra special Centerpoint podcast on leadership from our Lead Well Nights. The whole goal of these nights and messages is for everyone to grow in their leadership, whether your leadership is at home, in the office, with parenting, a team, at school, at church, or in the community. We hope these talks grow you and grow your team. Enjoy. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be with all of you this morning, or this afternoon, this evening. I am going to start my timer because otherwise, um, as a learning facilitator, I could be here all night, and I know you all don't need to be here, and, and Aaron gave me a time slot. So thank you very much for having me this evening. Um, I love talking about servant leadership. So we're going to uh, get us started. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, if you wouldn't mind switching the slide for me. Um, so Sophia has actually been in this community for 20 years, and I have been with the organization for 15. Um, we went through a midlife crisis in our organization, but it really was a very positive cr crisis. Um, we changed our name. We changed the focus of our work. So we started 20 years ago and were founded, for those of you who have been in the Fond du Lac community a while, we were founded by a woman by the name of Ginny Gilmore in 2002. We were a grant-giving organization, and the way that we served was to then give dollars to other nonprofit organizations. Through the course and the learning in our organization, we found that we could have more impact if we were helping to introduce and invite people to learn and practice servant leadership. So through that, we actually did a name change and we focused to, that's the work that we do. We call it transformative leadership. The best way to describe ourselves is that we are one part leadership consultant, one part educational institution. The way that we do our work is as a nonprofit because the majority of people don't have access to opportunities just like tonight. They don't have access to personal and professional development in our community. So if you think of law enforcement and education and healthcare, um, not everybody has access to this kind of leadership development opportunity. So part of the role of Sophia as a nonprofit is to make our programming accessible and affordable for anybody who is interested in learning more about servant leadership. So with that, let us start in, um, into the messaging that we are going to cover this evening. Anybody recognize this? Show me a hand, because I can, I can see hands, I can't see faces. What is it? Schoolhouse Rock. So Schoolhouse Rock used to be when I was a kid, and you heard my bio, so you all know about the age I am. When I was a kid, this was on TV, like on Saturday mornings and after school. And you probably, if you know Schoolhouse Rock, and you specifically know this segment of it, you probably are already singing it in your head. I promise I'm not going to sing. The purpose of Schoolhouse Rock, though, was to help kids to understand things like math and civics. Like one of my favorite ones was that little Bill sitting on Capitol Hill trying to become a law. But this one is all about conjunctions. So conjunction, junction, what's your function? I'm going to read a little bit to set the context for what we're going to talk about today. So it goes like this. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. It goes on and says, and, that's like an additive, like this and that, but, that's sort of the opposite, not this but that, 
And then there's or, O-R, when you have a choice like this or that, and, but, or, uh, or, they get you pretty far. They're all connector words, right? And those connector words have great meaning. Sometimes we don't think about the meanings of our words that we choose. And so I remember a few years ago, I was with a group of people similar to this, and you maybe have heard this even on the local news, on the national news, you guys, right? It's kind of a Wisconsin thing, you guys, as a group of people. And a woman came up to me during the break and said, how many men do you see in the room? In this case, there were no men in the room. And I said, oh, I get it. So now I have a dear friend who works in, who's from Dallas, and so now I've become a little bit a Dallas. It's like y'all. So I'm trying to build y'all into my language so that I can be inclusive of everybody that I'm talking to. But words matter. And so that's what we're going to talk about. If you wouldn't mind the next slide. So we're going to specifically talk about the word and, right? And being that conjunction that joins parts of speech together. And where I'm going to take you is I'm going to introduce you to servant and leader. We'll talk a little bit about servant leadership. That's the work of the Sophia organization. We're going to talk about using and in language and being intentional in our communication about that and what that means. And then I'm going to invite you to think about something called what I call an and mindset. How do we incorporate this way of thinking about and into the way that we think about ourselves and how we be of service to other people? Next slide. So servant and leadership, or servant and leader. So that hyphen in between, that means and. It connects the words together. So when Sophia talks about servant leadership, we are using as our thought leader a gentleman by the name of Robert Greenleaf. And Robert Greenleaf wrote this essay, this little orange essay book, in 1970. So it's 50 years old. Um, he started it in 1966 and took him four years to write the essay and finalize it. And part of the reason he wrote the essay is because he thought there was a crisis in leadership in our country. And I think to myself, 50 years later, I wonder what he thinks today. Are we in a crisis in leadership in our country? But he's not the only one that wrote about this concept of serving as a leader. So I'm gonna read you a couple other quotes from people that you may recognize these quotes. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Martin Luther King Jr. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Gandhi. And then some scripture. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So this idea of servant leadership is not new, right? It's been around, people have been talking about it for a long time, but the idea of putting these two words together, servant and leader, together, when Greenleaf wrote about it, he said it was a dangerous concept to take something that people would normally see as weak or lowly 
or not of any, any privilege or standard and put it together with what would be considered a more powerful word like leader. So when Greenleaf writes about servant leadership, he puts those two words together intentionally as one thought that together is bigger than just each of those words individually. So that's a context for this servant and leader concept. Next slide. So here's a couple of the um, quotes from Greenleaf's essay. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve and to serve first. So it has to start with the motivation. What is my motivation to serve others? I can serve others with a motivation to get myself ahead, to get a promotion, to get more pay, to get more prestige, to serve my ego, or I can serve others in a genuine desire to serve another person, another thing, a greater good. Okay, so he says it has to start with the motivation and the desire to serve. And he says, then the best test is do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more independent or autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? I want you to sit in that for just a minute. Do others grow it through my service? Am I leading them? Am I serving them in a way so that they grow in their selves to be more independent and more likely themselves to serve others? And, remember the core of our message, and what is the effect on the least privileged, or we've adopted language that says differently abled in society? Will they benefit, or at least will they not be further deprived? So there's also an intention in his writings about servant leadership that it's about motivation, it's about service to others, and it's about a greater good. So you need to keep those things in um, perspective as we're talking through the rest of our time together this, this evening. Next slide. So this is a pretty traditional corporate model, right? CEO, shareholder, whoever is at the top, right? And everybody is serving that person. They're serving that up to the pinnacle, right? If sometimes in the servant leadership model, people will flip this and they'll say, okay, no, the role of the CEO or the shareholder is for them to serve the customer. And the ultimate top is right what the customer wants. So there's one more. Sometimes I've seen this as the representation of servant leadership. We're all going in the same direction, right? Customers, CEO, managers, we're all going in the same direction towards a common goal. All of those models exist not only in servant leadership but in organizations. One of the models that is very difficult to both understand and to implement is this next model, a circle. And specifically, Greenleaf writes about this idea of the first among equals. It's not that we have uh, one person in charge, it's that we create an environment for all people to be able to contribute to whatever the work is. If it's the work of the church, if it's the work of your organization, if it's the work of your family, right? In the family, there are certain roles 
that kind of play themselves out. My husband's the fixer. He's over at my daughter's house today putting on some siding, right? That's his part of his role in our family to help support our family and our circle through his skills and abilities that he has. I don't know what mine is. Some days it's cook, chief cook and bottle watcher. I don't know. Some days it's, you know, cleaning uh, after everybody. Sometimes it's just listening to my, my children and my husband. But we all play these certain roles in our family, but we also do this in our workplaces and in our communities. So this idea of how do we all work together? How do we bring the best of ourselves to whatever we're working on together? Now we may all have different roles and responsibilities, and that's what it means is sometimes I'm first, right? I'm a positional leader of a nonprofit organization, but I also work with a board of directors. So if I think of this in relationship to our board, it has to do with, right, I have a board president, and they have certain roles and responsibilities. I'm the executive director. I have certain roles and responsibilities. We have board members at large. They have certain roles and, and responsibilities to represent. How do we work together in a common way rather than it's all about either me as an executive director or the board chair? So it's another way to think about how do we serve each other. This is the other quote that, that Greenleaf talks about. The more able, oops, back one, if you don't mind. The more able and the less able, each serving each other is the rock upon which a good society is built. How do we invite everybody to show up in their best selves to serve each other? And I know that this is an idealistic and this is what we're aspiring to. A number of years ago, Sophia did a conference. We called it an Aspiring Servant Leaders Conference because we're not there yet. Part of the work that I feel like I'm doing is helping to people see when it is possible, how it is possible for us to, to work together in this way. Okay, so we're gonna just show about, it's ideal and it's hard, right? This is really hard, so don't, don't flip the slide quite yet. So I want to do a little exercise with you. So imagine that I'm your boss, I'm your manager, your peer, or a peer, and the day before, um, you, were, you presented a project and that you and your team had been working on for weeks, and you're quite proud of how it turned out. During the course of the conversation the next day, I say, Aaron, you did a great job, but what am I going to say next? Positive or negative? Negative. You don't know what I'm going to say, right? But sometimes when we hear that word but, we think negative. So Aaron, you did a great job, but. Now what if I would say, Aaron, you did a great job and what happens? Maybe positive, right? You still don't know what I'm going to say. But for some reason, when we hear that word but, it negates everything that we think. So words matter. Do you want to flip the next slide? Words matter when we make a choice. So here's part, you can go to the next one too. So we want, I want to invite you to think about using your word choices, right? Because when you use the word but, it dismisses everything that came before it. If we use and, just like we gave the definition earlier, it adds to, it expands. It acknowledges what precedes it. 
It suggests that both of the issues are connected together, are worthy. Do I need to move this over? Can you see? Oh, there we go. Is that any better? No, I probably blocked somebody else. So we want to be careful um, with our word choices and make sure that we are, you know, practicing using the intentional and. So here's some examples of where we might be able to, um, to make some difference. So here's, here's one. This wasn't your best effort, but I know you can do better next time. That would be an example of where we could use a, the but appropriately. We're certainly facing some huge obstacles with this project, but I know we can succeed. So when we are using the words of, I agree with you a lot of what you are saying, but I wonder if we could examine this a little bit more. We, if we chose the word and instead, it would have more impact. Okay, next thing. So here's really what I'm inviting you to think about. As we expand our thinking with the word and, we can think about different choices, right? If we say that but is the negator, the and is the adder and the positive piece of it. So think of how many, how many different options there are to make change for a dollar. Does anybody know? Do you think it's more, if it's um, under 100? Nope, under 200? No. Raise a hand. No? A thousand? Two hundred and ninety-three. So here's what I'm inviting you to. Next slide. I'm inviting you to think about if you are able to use this word and and open up your thinking to all the different ways that something is possible. Because our words change our thoughts and our actions and our feelings. So if I know there's 200, and somebody told me this, that they became very overwhelmed thinking that there might be 293 different ways to do something. But for me, knowing that there might be some other way rather than feeling stuck makes a difference. Makes a difference that I can hold the tension between two different things or I can try something and think that there might be another possibility out there that I've never tried before. So my idea of this and mindset is if we can change our words, it can change our thoughts, it can change our feelings and our actions. Here's how this plays out. Next slide. So this exercise um, was done a, a couple of years ago. When, when COVID first hit, we did a virtual conference and we partnered with an organization based in St. Louis called the... Um, Chapman Leadership Institute. It's a division of Barry Waymiller organization. And they did this exercise and they said, I want you to think about what do people see on the outside? So if any of you Googled me or if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, these might be some of the things you would see. 50-ish white woman, college educated, I'm a nonprofit executive, I'm full of ideas, I'm really passionate about what I do, I wouldn't be doing it for this long if I didn't love it. Um, I am a learning facilitator. I'm a wife, mother, and daughter, 
right? Those are things that you could very quickly learn about me. Next slide. But in the world of servant leadership, if I'm going to show up to serve somebody else, I have to show up and be my best version of myself. And Greenleaf says the servant, to the servant, the process of change starts in here, in the servant, not out there. Right? So I have to be able to be okay with who I am in order to serve somebody else. Mm. Next slide. So when they did this exercise, they put that word but up there. I am, but I am also. You can imagine, given what I've shared about my passion for and, I was not okay with that. And here's why. Next slide. So we flipped it to and, right? Next slide. And it has to do with these, this little thing here. Little nesting dolls, little Russian nesting dolls. Because this is the outside, right? This is the I am piece of it. But very quickly, if I go through this, right, inside of it is another nesting doll. And in that nesting doll, that represents my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions. And inside that are my fears and my hopes and my doubts. And inside that, can't read it, my wisdom, my joys, my sorrows, my regrets. And inside that right, is my soul, the place that God made me, how I'm supposed to be serving the world. So for me, right, going into these little, these little parts of fears and doubts and accessing wisdom and my skills and my talents, it can get pretty scary to start looking at all of those things. But in order for me to show up as my authentic self, I have to be able to embrace the whole me. I have to look at me as an and mindset. I have to look at all of those parts. And then this is what happens, right? So I'm this on your left-hand side, but I am also right, concerned about being ready for retirement. I'm also question my academic decisions. I also have this great fear of speaking publicly. Yes. I also am sometimes afraid to share my ideas. And I get frustrated with people that don't care about the things I care about. If you saw my office, you'd know I'm a paper hoarder. Um, I'm really sometimes lack confidence, and I'm living with a serious health issue. Living with a serious health issue. So the reason that I put this up here is because if I don't look at all of those parts of me and say, I am afraid of public speaking, then how can I show up and do the work of my organization? I have to say, that's part of me, and what else can I do? You care deeply about this, and what are we going to do? 
okay? And you have to be conscious of how much you work because you also have this health issue. But if I let any one of those things that are also all buried deep inside of me, whatever that is, my background, my experiences, the joys, the fears, if I let any of those get too big and I don't embrace them as part of me, it can take over and really hurt my ability to serve and to lead others because I'd be leading out of those places rather than that authentic self. Make sense? Next slide. So my invitation to you as you leave here today is to remember that you are part of this, right? You are that drop that you create this fear of inspiration. You have impact. So if you see yourself as an and rather than a negative piece that's deep inside, right, the but, then it can have, you can go out and have great impact on others. So with that, I'm going to pause. I'm going to have you flip to the, the questions, and these are the questions I'm going to leave you with. We'll um, share these separate. You can go right down to the questions. Keep going. Next slide. Next slide. One more. There we go. So this is what I'm going to leave you with to talk about. What and part of you do you celebrate today? What part in deep inside, on the outside, do you celebrate today? Or you can talk about in what ways do you limit yourself from bringing your whole self to serving others? 